Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to episode number nine of Jukebox Jam Session. Uh, this is the show where I give the same, I give the people the same fifteen questions. They give me a list. I listen to any music that I need to, uh, and then we talk about it. Uh, my guest this week uh, is Chris Clark. Uh, we've uh, it's been a long, been a long time since you've been on a, been on a show together. How have you been, dude? It's been phenomenally a long time. I miss you, Brooklyn. I love I love literally talking music with you because I feel like we're on the same way like wavelength of a lot of like music discussions when we, we talk about it. Because uh, yeah, we're both music geeks. We love music. We love classic rock. So it's going to yeah. be fun. The show should be uh, a hoot because I'm looking forward to t discussing this list because it's there's a lot to talk about. Absolutely, yeah. So like I mentioned before, um, how it works is I give I give the I give the guests the same fifteen questions. They they fill out the answers. I listen to anything that, that I have to, and then we talk about it. Uh, but the question I always like to ask before we start the actual like list itself, um, what is it about music that really sort of keeps you coming back and that you really get invested into it? Um, music is literally an escape. It's a, literally like a movie to the ears, and that's what a good song should do. And we will get into this when we talk about music itself. But the lyrics, the the the, the way that the artist performs a song supposed to emotionally connect with you and put you into their eyes their 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 mind their mindset and to give you an escape especially during this time where there's covid and all this other crap the world it sucks right now the world is a hell in a handbasket and what we need to do is just escape and music helps you do that especially when you perform too and we'll get to that as well because yeah. like like music is just and the ambiance and even live recordings it just gives you a sense of wonder that you don't get in real life that's what music is yeah, performing is such a rush, and like, especially with all, all this like pandemic thing. One of my yeah. favorite things to do in the last last little bit is literally uh -huh. just I'll be sitting on my porch. It'll be like ten, like 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 at night. I'll be just looking up at yeah. the stars, throw on some music, and like you can and like good songs and good artists. You can sort of visualize the song like as as it's going mm -hmm. up. It's that blankness that you sort of really need to interpret everything. But let's get right into your list. We're going to question number one. Uh, cool. Who is your favorite solo artist? Uh, my favorite solo artist, as I gave you, was indeed because it was it was a toss up, but it was a real toss up between Meatloaf and Billy Joel. But I kind of cheated on the Meatloaf thing, so I gave you Billy Joel. Billy Joel, literally, like from start to finish, from Cold Spring Harbor in 1971 to 1993's River of Dreams. There's only a handful of songs you can pick out that you can say, yeah, those are bad songs. Because, look, he stopped writing in 1993, but everything he gave us from the opening of Cold Spring Harbor, which is She's Got Away, to the ending of River of Dreams, which is famous last words, he basically encompasses every single person's childhood. or Every song he wrote kind of hits the nail on somebody's sort of life either honesty the song honesty where people basically lie to your face and are mm. fake to you to the song just the way you are where you're just like looking at some a girl or a guy whoever you you, you like and you're like i love you just the way you are no matter who you are in uh, outside what's the inside that counts so it's it, it hits everybody on every emotional facet that's why i love billy yeah, uh, it, it, was, it was great because uh, I think it was last year or the year before uh, we had the, obviously done that, that Billy Joel Billy Joel playlist mm -hmm. and then the Billy Joel Iron match, and it was great because I like really indelved myself in into Billy Joel more than I did because like before yeah. that I would say like I was a casual fan like Piano Man that's one of my, my, my would have been my favorite song of his at the time mm -hmm. um, and then that, that's changed immensely like there are some deep cuts of his that are my favorites like Down Easter Alexa Down is Easter one that often off, off gets stuck, stuck in my head um, I think For the Longest Time is like one of the more underrated songs because you think mm -hmm. about like like that song in particular yeah. other than like Bobby other than Bobby McFerrin the only, like and this is before like the Glee sort of exactly. like acapella craze. Like he got like a big hit doing like that barbershop style, mm -hmm. and it just feels so genuine. Um, Every song on that record is based off of something from that that era of music. There's Frankie and the the Four Seasons, which is Uptown Girl. There's yeah. uh, Tell Her About It, which is basically um, uh, the it has the same rhythm as some of those other songs. This night is basically a prom song that you will hear at any any sort of prom gathering in the 1950s. That whole album is based upon that that style of music, and it's phenomenal. I think I think one of the things too with Billy Joel is that he often gets co compared to Elton John, and I think what separates him yeah, from we'll Elton John is that it's like Elton John had um, had Bert, had Bernie Taupin. Where like he was sort of the songwriter, and it's like here are some lyrics. Let's give you let's like let's give you some music music for that, mm -hmm. and it's just like. It's good, but there, but like, he's uh, Billy Joel's a really good like musician in terms of like how yeah. he can craft his music with the lyrics. Um, I always, I know this is one we sort of disagree on, but I think uh, Prelude slash Angry Young Man, um, is a really good example of getting Billy Joel as a piano player. Um, 
and his and then his lyrics on top of that. A prelude, Angry Young Man is phenomenal live because from 1977 when it came out, 1976 when it came out to I think like 2010, it opened every single show. I think he's he's he put it away because he got tired of playing it. He doesn't need to play it at every show now, but because it's not really that huge of a hit. But live, that song really is what you need every time. Every time you open a show, this is getting on off a tangent, but every time you you open a show, you need a song that. Boom! Is like the the dynamite that just gets the audience invested because anything you do after that is fine, but you have to grab the audience's attention right at the start. And Angry Young Man does that phenomenally. And also, there's also a song that opens River of Dreams, uh, No Man's Land. That's that I think I could still consider that to be the best album opener ever because, especially in this time, uh, that song, uh, it's, it's low supply, high demand. Here in no man's land, we are living in that era right now. So yeah, it's Absolutely. those heavy rockers that he does. He's he's able to do the soft ballads like "Tomorrow Is Today," which is a deep cut off of uh, "Cold Spring Harbor," but it's about yeah. suicide. Or he can do a heavy, heavy rock harder rocker like uh, "I Go to Extremes," and, yes. and, and, yeah. and he and those are two totally different songs that he's able to do that. And Elton is able to do that too. The difference with Elton and, and Bernie and I will give credit to Elton for this. Yeah. Elton has his own sound. Billy's sound is based off of other artists' sounds. And I get that criticism. That's the criticism he gets, and that's completely and utterly accurate. Uh, but I love Elton for his own sound and stuff, too. Elton is – if you, a lot of people think Elton did Piano Man. <laughs> that's yeah. just, a lot of people assume that. I'm like, no, that's Billy. But Elton has his own – especially his later work, which is uh, uh, highly unappreciated because in the 70s he had one one – album after another that was number one but elton elton is a beast among itself yeah it's pretty it's pretty crazy like especially going back to like that that, that playlist episode and then yeah. doing, like, the, doing the iron man one like you where, look where, at where piano man got killed <laughs> well that well that but also like you look into um you look into billy joel's discography and yeah like like one of the pro one of the problems that we had is we don't want this to be a ranking of the stranger because like yeah. because the stranger is essentially yeah. his greatest hits. I, 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 I think I think we had a rule that we couldn't do more than one song off that album too. I think, I think I think we had three on the stranger and we we're like no and we my, have to we have to stop yeah because because you look at like Vienna Vienna yeah Vienna scenes from Italian restaurants all um, hits only the good die young yeah. She's got a way of she's she's always a woman. I mean, I get those. Yeah. She's always a woman. Those are all huge hits. And actually, fun fact: Seeds from an Italian Restaurant was never released as a single. Nor was Vienna. It just got radio played because they were the B sides. Yeah. yeah, they were the B sides to only the Good Die Young, and she's always a woman, respectively. So yeah, but that's back. That's another discussion about B sides and how they're not really existent anymore. No. Um, all right, let's move on to question number two. Uh, who is your favorite band? All right, I cheated with this a little bit because he's sort of considered a singer, but every time he tours, he's called it's called the Neverland Express. It's Meatloaf and the Neverland Express. Meatloaf is, as I said, it was hard for me to say a solo artist because Meatloaf technically was a solo artist back in 1971 when he like did his his little run with Motown Records along with a girl named Stoney. But with Bad Out of Hell, then you get into Dead Ringer, then you get into Midnight at the Lost and Found. Blind Before I Stop, Bad Attitude, Bad Out of Hell 2, uh, Welcome to the Neighborhood, Couldn't Have Said It, Bang Cool, Teddy Bear, Bad Out of Hell 3, Hell in a Handbasket, and his final album, Braver Than We Are. These all have story elements. And actually, the flaw with, and why I put uh, Billy over Meat is that although Meat has a lot more albums, and I love Meatloaf better as a performer because he can just, if you see Meatloaf live, he, he, grab, he grabs the stage. He doesn't just sit at a piano. The problem is he has 12 albums and a lot of songs on those albums are not necessarily the best. And no. it's it's quality, it's quantity over quality. And while I do love his non-Jim Steinman stuff, Blind Before I Stop is a phenomenal record. It's a great, great late 80s sound record. And Bad Attitude has some jammers on it. Minute at the Lost and Found, Welcome to the Neighborhood, Couldn't Have Said It Better, Bad Out of Hell 3 of all things have some really shitty songs. And it just... He, he his his whole life story is a book in and among itself. Absolutely, yeah, and you can tell like the sort of the the story aspect that you that you get from him. Yeah, and like because um, we're gonna talk about him a little, little, little bit later. I think it's really like I can like when I whenever I do like a sort of a deep dive of him, it's like all right, I understand 
where you get your sort of performance cues on like your and like your aspects of like Meatloaf is sort of your inspiration because he would be like one of the best live live performers. He's a great. He's a, he's a great. He's a great. If you look at live videos from nineteen eighty, like the late nineteen eighties, from nineteen eighty seven to nineteen eighty nine to nineteen ninety three, he has a voice. And the voice and the performance aspect, I, I, he's up there with Freddie Mercury in those in that time period. But that's only a time period. Um, but um, yeah, he, he, the way he performs and how he, he, he gravitates towards a song with the character of it. And every song of his has a character, has a main character, has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And that's 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 what I dig about it. Yeah, I think another aspect of, of like of the band in particular because I, I did do like I did a little bit of research of like like how Neverland Express fit in and like that's yeah. that's that's their live band but um I just I had to quick I had to quick, quickly look it up uh but Lorraine Crosby I think really mm -hmm. needs a lot of recognition in terms of like a lot of his a lot of his big big hits like Paradise by the Dashboard Life um I can do any or I do anything for love but I won't, won't do that I'd like for really you these, the like, truth. These yes. back, yeah these back and forth duets and it's like I think she just like she's such a like, crucial mm -hmm. aspect of because like if you get a bad singer there, that's 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 where it's like, well, I feel bad for Meatloaf because he's he's doing all the work, but um, yeah. but yeah, it's you, you had you had Lorraine, you had the Golf Sisters, and then you had Patty Rousseau, which which toured with him for the majority of the late nineties and into the early two thousands. Yeah, the backing vocal, yeah, but I, even if you you asked me what my favorite band was, you didn't have to say it was on a record because if you look at no. the Wikipedia page of the Neverland Express, that's a revolving door. Of band of of, of the of Bob Kulik, Bob Kulik of the Kulik Brothers. Uh, you have the guy who wrote "I Love Rock and Roll," Alan Merrill, who just passed away. You have you have uh, due to COVID. You have you have such great great musicians, and I think John Michelli, who's his current drummer, who was his current drummer before he retired, is is one of the greatest drummers of all time. And even Chuck Berge during the 1987 89 years that I was talking about, the current drummer of Billy Joel is was a was a member just too crazy and Small that's a, that, yeah that, that that's a coincidence but yeah uh, actually chuck is a great great dude i've talked to chuck he's he's helped me get some recordings of meats that he's had uh he's a phenomenal dude and a phenomenal friend he's helped me get he's helped me get uh tickets to shows in, in msg so it's, it's all cool cool all right uh let's move on to question number three uh who's yeah. your favorite genre artist this was difficult because I don't really listen to a lot of stuff outside of country and classic rock, and I felt like you you had the country you have the country question later. But I feel like CeeLo Green, CeeLo Green just has kind of the performance, like a lot of his songs. Like I'm gonna go mainly off of uh, Lady Killer because it's it's that's a it's one of my top ten records of all time. Lady Killer with CeeLo, he essentially. In every song, he's a character. In in uh, Bright Lights, Bigger City, he's he's a mafia boss going through the, the city of Las Vegas. Uh, forget you or f you. Uh, he's basically a, a guy who's just like, screw my girlfriend. I don't care about you. I want to live my own life, and it's okay. He's just trying to feel. It's okay. Is actually a phenomenal slapper. Uh, he basically just is saying it's okay. I'm, I'm more optimistic. And then you get into like the last the last couple songs of the record. And he's just like it. This, it's a story record. So I just I appreciate that with the kind of Bruno Mars style that he has. So yeah, uh, I think, amazing. I think I think for him. After I listened to a couple albums, because like you mentioned, the Lady Killer, and then yeah. I didn't realize that he put out an album in 2016, which was that, um, which was the uh, Open Hearts Acoustic Live album. Yeah, um, and of that, I think essentially what I what I what I got from him is that he'd be a lot more successful if if he was in like the like the late 80s, early 90s. Because there's so much inspiration that you get that you get from there, and especially like in open heart in open hearts, there's like this like Prince vibe of like Purple Rain, yes. but there's also like there's also he's trying to do some funk like he has like like he has a flutist and mm -hmm. do like that weird sort of jazz thing, um, and then you look at like the look at the lady killer and especially like it's it's weird foreshadowing because of how where Daft Punk would would come in and I yes. feel like I feel like CeeLo was sort of ahead of the curve in terms mm -hmm. of like just getting a more like I guess like a rock techno thing and like yeah. where and like where pop music essentially would transgress through that through through, through, through that decade but he's he's, he's just just yeah. such a unique guy and I think. Bright Lights, Bigger City was still sort of that, like, like that in particular is like, I still have mm -hmm. that that aspect of things of like, when you look back at like Neural Sparkly and Crazy and like what he, yes. did, what he did, did, did with Crazy Mouse, it's like, that's still there. I just wish you came out a little bit like 20 years earlier. That I know. Could go down to you more. 
I just wish that he also stayed consistent with that because Lady Killer was like his one album that he yeah. kind of like had that style, that kind of throwback style, and he threw it away kind of a little bit. He did. He it's he doesn't really have that kind of like punchy kind of like pop uh, bubblegum kind of thing like you would get in on the song Forget You a little bit. Go for it. I would I would honestly say him judging the voice might be a might have been a bad decision if we're talking hindsight. Because yeah. I think I think the I think the I think one of the better things was that he wasn't like super popular. Like, he was like he yeah, and I think I, he got, he like, got oh, well now you're the thing on the voice, you yeah. have to sort of like you have to not be as weird. Yeah, and he got any he, he got the voice thing because of the I think wasn't Forget You like the number one song of 2010 or something. It was like a it was, huge, yeah, it was huge, yeah. It was huge. And of course, I don't I don't want to also like he did a lot of stuff with the Goody Mob and stuff, which is older stuff, which is completely different. It's not even my style of music, but it's yeah. still something to be appreciated. Yeah. All right. Um, let's move on to question number four. What is your favorite album? All right. So when you asked me this, I knew that it would have to be an album that we had would have to discuss. And this album is what I consider to, and it has the greatest song, in my opinion, of all time. It is called Bad Out of Hell to Back Into Hell. It's the sequel to the classic Bad Out of Hell from 1977, um, but it came out in 1993. Uh, the, the story behind this record is a story in itself. Basically, Meatloaf and Jim Simon had a falling out due, due, during the, fo- uh, the follow-up to Bad Out of Hell called Dead Ringer. And after Dead Ringer was released, they parted their separate ways. Uh, Jim Steinman uh, produced uh, Total Eclipse of the Heart with Bonnie Tyler. A huge song. Meatloaf missed out on that. And went to do his 80s albums that I was talking about. And then they came back together at the end of the 80s to kind of uh, put their bullshit aside, which was super smart of them. And they created this record, which from start to finish is basically a giant 80-minute rock opera about sex. <laughs> yeah. It's essentially it. Uh, what are your thoughts on it, uh, uh, So it's I think I think this album in particular is a really good example of album structure, and you yeah. really get a sense of how Meatloaf and Jim Steinman want you want you to listen to this. Because yeah. you look at like the first half of this, and yeah. these and it's like it's weird because looking at it, it's like it's only eleven songs, but a lot of these songs are like and it's eighty minutes s- long. Yeah, it's like six six seven minutes, with the exception there's a, there's like an instrumental and then yeah. there's like that's that spoken word part in the middle. Yeah. But that first half is really like. I think it's at sort of it's what it's yeah. well it well it's what it's what people see meatloaf of, of the nineties is very like very ballad very ballad heavy. I mean it starts with I'd do anything for love but I but I won't do that. And then you get the you heavy get probably rocker. you get probably the weirdest song, Life is a Lemon and I will want my, my money back. Uh yeah, I don't one. know what to make I don't know what what, what to think of okay. that. Okay. I do but, anything for love is everybody knows that song. Yeah. Life is a lemon and I want my money back essentially is just saying how shit your life is and how you know what i don't care how shit it is i'm gonna go and i'm gonna stand i'm gonna be the man i want to be without and you know what he says it in the in, in the song he's gonna shove it up your ass <laughs> it's a great it's the great it's a great punchline but it's also a weirdly structured song uh especially when you get in later into the album I would say, yeah. So then you get to like rock and roll dreams come through, and Beautiful. it's like it's, it starts off. It starts off rock. I like, yeah. Like, I like how in this first half, how it's ballad, it's ballad forward, but it has like these accents of accents of rock. And mm-hmm. then as you progress, and then they get into like, I would say probably my favorite song in the album, it just won't quit. Um, yes. I think it's sort of like a cooler cousin version of I do anything for love. Mm-hmm. And then you get to out of the frying pan, which is weird. And then, uh, and then, and to um, objects in the rearview mirror, uh, which is sort of like, it's sort of like the, the final step before the eclipse. And then wasted youth is that turning point where it's now it's sort of the focus of where like rock is the focus with these mm-hmm. sort of ballad, ballad accents. Mm-hmm. And it sort of descends everything louder. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's dive into uh, it. Just won't quit for a second. Second, yeah. uh, it ju- when I was saying the greatest song ever written, there were three of them, and two of them are on this the soundtrack. It just won't quit, and we're going to talk about objects in just a second. But it just won't quit is a phenomenal song, not just not just because of how musically it's produced. The chorus uh, is this a blessing or is it a? It's a phenomenal chorus. I, I don't know why that wasn't released as a single because essentially that song literally describes lust without saying the word lust uh, is this a blessing is it a curse is it some kind of love 
It's it's all about yeah. lust, and it's a great, great message. And uh, it, Objects in the Rearview Mirror is essentially an autobiographical song for me. Uh, this is the only song off the record what he ghost wrote. He actually ghost wrote this with Jim Steinman. Okay. Uh, the, the second verse of, of, of it about the abusive father is true. The first verse about the kid dying in a plane crash or a car crash, that's Jim. Jim's best friend died in a car crash. And then the last the last verse doesn't really make it explicit, but it just says that the girlfriend disappeared. It's about suicide. Uh, Jim Steinman's girlfriend committed suicide while they were dating. So it's 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 all it's you go from losing your best friend to being abused by your father to being affected by suicide. It's 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 it we'll get into that. But um also uh yeah, it's just that whole arc of that album is phenomenal. I will say there if there's one thing that I could that I'm like I wouldn't say I'm like I'm mad at but I'm sort of like disappointed in is the is the intro before the closer back in or the instrumental before the closer back into hell it and it's just like been, yeah. it's just too much 80s like and you look and you look at like the first you look at the first back um back out of the hell and how that album opens with this great mm -hmm. instrumental it's like where's that like we could have used it you could have used you right now actually I would have done this I would have made back into hell the overture before uh, uh, I do anything for love because I do anything for love that does have that instrumental at the start, yeah. but it's not nearly as iconic. And also having, I would have opened with back into hell and ended with good girls go to heaven because back into hell basically uses the laments of good girls go to heaven as sort of an overture of good girls go to heaven and put lost boys and golden girls before that. So that you have the rocker that ends the the, the show, um, I, I that that's what I would. The last yeah. part of the record, kind of order wise, doesn't make much sense. Uh, Good Girls Go to Heaven is great. It's a phenomenal. It's it's basically like I need a hero, but the male version of it. Yeah. Uh, holding out for a hero, but I need the male version of it. But ending with Lost Boys and Golden Girls kind of makes it kind of seem like you're just ending on a soft song like the first bat with for crying out loud, and I don't think it's as strong of a song. I actually kind of disagree with you on that one. I actually, I really, I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, mm -hmm. I liked that it was. It's almost like self-reflective, and I think <laughs> it was sort of a, a good way to sort of like review everything that that they done 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 in that album. Because yeah. you, you see, he kind of talks about it where it's just like. Because I think the thing about Meatloaf in particular, and especially when you get into like Bad Out of Hell, where mm -hmm. it's like he has these like soft, super passionate moments yeah. where it's like he's trying to like trying to say something, but yeah. he but then he'll then he'll instantly revert back into like that sort of like classic like power rock sort of gravitas mm -hmm. that you get. And I think this is one where it's like, you know, I need to. I need to. I need to let my true self shine and not mm -hmm. let not let like this. Not let rock sort of be oh. the mask of what I want to say. Yeah, uh, uh, Lost Boys is amazing. Yeah, uh, it's really the, yeah. And actually, I wish that the original plan for it was Jim was going to write this rock opera called Neverland, and this was going to be part of it. You could tell, um, and also everything louder than everything else. We didn't really touch upon, but it's about a general talking to all his recruits about you need to grow up. You need to, you need to be men. It's it's basically essentially a uh, it's essentially a, a song about uh, the camps of, uh, of of armies and just uh, these these reckless youths that are just being so benign and evil. What, go to boot camp. That's the boot camp song. And I think those 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 youths were supposed to be the youths that are here now in Lost Boys and Golden Girls, uh, dignifying that they've lost they, they they found their innocence, they found their peace. And uh, I also uh, I, not many people know this, but Lost Boys and Golden Girls was also originally written as a uh, as for the end ending credit scene for Hook. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. So um, and that would have fit beautifully too. I think it was some sort of rights issues or something. Uh, but uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, um, uh, yeah. Lost Boys is amazing. Yeah. All right. Move on to question number five then. Uh, and who is your favorite artist from childhood? All right. So there is a couple of artists that I have from childhood. Um, like the meatloaf story. I think we've actually touched upon meatloaf. It, it was meatloaf, but actually I didn't give you this on the list. I'm going to, we could just, we could okay. just discuss this too is um, Paul Williams. Paul Williams, my dad grew up with. I don't know if you know Paul Williams that much. I know you didn't, didn't prepare for Paul Williams. Paul Williams essentially, um, he wrote uh, a lot of the music for the Muppet Show, but he also wrote a oh. lot of great, great records for um, for, for his album Arista called um, "A Little Bit of Love." Uh, but you know, growing up with Meatloaf was really, 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 really interesting, just because 
my dad was never really comfortable with me listening to like Paradise by the Dashboard Light when I was like ten years old. But every but he he got my records. He he got the records for me. I would go to the the record store. He would always go to Positively to make sure that the new release of Meatloaf I got. And we uh, usually when my mom had to go on to like go to the hospital and stuff, he would pick her up. He would take me with him. And I had at the, at the time um, those those disc players, the Walkmans, and I would listen constantly over and over and over again to these Meatloaf records. I I know every single Meatloaf song from start to finish, back of my hand. It's it's it, if there was ever an Iron Man match of Meatloaf, bye bye. But just growing up with that type of music, I just grew up with. I grew up with a lot of classic rock. It wasn't just me. It was Billy. It was Elton. It was Ringo Starr. It was um, Bruce Springsteen. I I I I grew to not really like as much. And uh, Sticks too. Yeah, yeah, Sticks. Yeah, Sticks is. I think would venture more into like the, um, like the like the. I wouldn't say alien, but like sort of like like like, like the space rock and really sort of because mm-hmm. I think because they got really popular in the late seventies, early eighties. And I think they would really sort of show what the '80s would really do in terms of, in terms yeah. of what pop music would be, and really get sim heavy. Come sail away! You have Mr. Roboto, yeah. which not many people know. Mr. Roboto is the Sticks. Um, yeah, so it's the, the, their music is phenomenal. And Journey, I mean Journey. I know everybody yeah. rags on "Don't Stop Believing." I don't stop. It's a slap. But, they, but I don't they, care. Have, they have so much. Well, I mean, like, yeah, it's 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 good. It definitely got overplayed, uh, but actually, um, we had a journey greatest hits album in the car for the for the longest time. Mm-hmm. So I really got to, to I really got to dive into like lights and love and touch and squeezing and uh, like separate ways mm-hmm. or uh, yeah, separate ways slash worlds apart. I believe is yeah. Yep. Um, uh, and then I mean, like faithfully, I think is I think is I think is the best ballad. Yeah, and Chicago, I grew up with um, yeah. uh, the Eagles. Uh, uh, what is it? Um. Uh, uh, take it easy. Yeah, Hotel, it easy. Cali- Hotel California. You have uh, Fleetwood Max Rumors. I grew up with the chain. I grew up with Go uh, Go Your Own Way. All that stuff is is, is ingrained in me. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's move on to question number six. Uh, what is a song that makes you happy? All right. I gave you two songs that make me happy. Um, the, the the one that I'm gonna not roll into because we already talked about him a lot is Meat. Is uh, I think this is also. So on the summer playlist, I think, or was it the other song, Paradise? Uh, it was Paradise. Okay, but this is also a really fun song. It's not Meatloaf's best song by any stretch of the imagination, but it's probably his most digestible song, which is took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, everybody pretty much knows. It's a big hit. Everybody, if, you, if you've heard it on the... Um, took the words is, 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 is just a happy go. It's probably his only song where you can't really describe... I can't really say it's a story song. I would just say that it's kind of like a feel good kind of it's a hot summer night would you offer your throat with for the world for the red roses and actually yeah i was just about to say i love you yeah but the beginning part of it i'll go back to the whole neverland thing is originally supposed to be uh wendy and peter's wedding vows would you offer your throat to the wolf with the red roses and then took the woods would kick in so yeah uh, he wrote that neverland musical back in the early 70s so all these songs um, sorry, yeah. I wish they left that. I wish, like, for the radio edit of "You Took the Words Right Out of the Mouth." I wish they had that spoken word part. Um, they don't because yeah. that no. Um, I yeah, because like back because "Bad of the Hell" was another oh, another album that we had in like our I'd say probably like middle school, junior high. Yeah. Um, but our drives were always super short, so I'd always get like the first like three songs, and this was like I think this was second or third on the, uh, the on, on, yeah. on the track. Yeah, so I would hear the spoken word part all the time, and it, and it got to a point where like Dad and I could sort of go back, sort of go back back and forth. Mm-hmm. Back and forth with it, um, and I think it's sort of the, a prelude into what he what he would do, and it's really that softer side that yeah. people sort of fall in love with him. With it's exactly the callback in Bad at the Hell too. We didn't really spoke, speak much of it, but it's the uh, wasted youth speech about killing the girl, the killing the 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 people with the guitar. But yeah, um, but the the one song that I think is a really feel good song, and it's a really deep cut of Elton John's. It's off of his album The Union uh, with uh, Leon Russell, yeah. and it's called Hey. It's called Hey Ahab, and it's essentially a, 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 a it's it's not really crocodile rock. It's not like a upbeat kind of thing, but it's a it the tempo just makes you feel real good. It makes you feel like you're on a boat. And uh, if you ever listen to the live versions of Hey, hey I'd even rock it up a little bit. He he 
he played that live for like six years straight. And Hey Ahab is a really fun song. There's like this this great gravitas. It's it's when Elton's voice deepened and it fits his voice really well. And I'm sure that Hey Ahab, if it was released back in the 70s, would have been a big hit just because it's just, but now it's not the style of music people listen to. Yeah. This is definitely if Elton John wanted to do a Billy Joel, or wanted to do a Meatloaf yes. song. Um, it's, it's, like. it's, yeah. It's just like, it's like gravitas, like chest out, like we're mm-hmm. going to have like, you know, we're sort of like stop, stop. Hey, 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 and yeah. And again, like you mentioned, like this, this came out in 2010, which 10, is like yeah. really in the late half. Like yeah. he, he had sort of, sh- he had sort of have, um, it got popular in the in the early two thousands um, mm-hmm. with that. What's the name of that album? But it had uh, I want love. Uh, um, oh, um, uh, songs from the West Coast. Yes, there we go. Um, but yeah, I, I want love is amazing too. By the way, I I, th- I think it was good too because I think it was really good for Elton John to work with somebody like Leon like Leon Russell, yeah. where it's sort of like I can't do what I normally do and I have to sort of play ball. But mm-hmm. I think he's really good at, at adapting. Two different two different styles, and like you look at the like how his career career has progressed. I do agree. I think his voice got better over time. I think I think I think his night. I think I, like I think the nineties was probably yeah his his vocal prime. Yeah, I, I if you listen to uh, uh at some point in my show suddenly soundtracks we will get to Lion King, his his last credit scene of Can you feel the love tonight. Yeah. Is the definitive version of that song when usually the the, the celebrity uh, versions of it aren't the definitive version. People usually prefer the movie version. Elton's voice from the '90s to today, I prefer to just because it's a lower register and it kind of has a little bit more. It's more pizzazz. full. It ha- it's more yeah. full. Yeah, like I, that's why I don't really go back to listening to like Crocodile Rock or the older albums. I prefer listening to the live versions of them because it's his newer voice. Yeah. All right, um, on to question number seven, then. Uh, what is a song that makes you sad? Oh, wait, we got into this. Uh, we got into one of them, but I, this is why I gave you two in case that yeah. the discussion of Bad Out of Hell 2 went into the song, and it kind of went into it a little bit, a lot, is objects in the rearview mirror may appear closer than they are. Ob- objectively, if you're in that mind space, if you've lost a friend, if you've gone through abuse, or if you've lost somebody to suicide, that song will speak to you. I don't really have to describe that song any much. You just have to listen to it. It's a 10-minute song. The flaw of it is that the chorus kind of repeats a little too much at the end. But if you take if you take that out of account, it's still very beautiful and very poetic. Um, we're going to get into... Uh, did I give you a third one or no? Uh, you uh, you gave me a third one for... Or no, yeah. You gave me uh, the last song by Elton John. Yeah, okay. I, I was hoping that I gave you that one too because I, I do I do these two. Souvenir. Souvenir by Billy Joel. Uh it's it's only a two minute song. Cause I didn't feel like it was fair to give you that because that just it was only two minutes. But in, in a paragraph long, a picture postcard, a folded stub, a program of a play, filed away photographs of your holiday. Your mementos will turn to dust. That's the price you pay for every year. A souvenir slowly fades away. It essentially tells you that no matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter what that what happens, it's just a year. It's just a moment that'll fade away and you'll still keep going. You'll still live. And in that moment, you're sad. And that 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 moment, that that's it's a very real feeling. And the last song is essentially about a, a, a son. It's a, it's a story song by Elton, one of my favorites, about a son who's dying from AIDS giving his dad the, the 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 chance to reconcile with him and he did his dad comes to his hospital chair his hospital bed and they reconvene and they make their peace that's essentially what the last song is it says in the last song that he he's light as a feather and that he's losing weight and that he's losing all energy and will to live but he, at least he has his dad and that's what the last song is and i i i i i, I will contend that the last song this is going to be a strong statement because i know your song exists but the last song is Elton John's greatest song. Okay, I I, I can understand that. The minute that the song came on, I'm like, all right, I I understand. I like knowing you and like sort of knowing 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 your your connection with your connection with your family, especially your dad. Mm-hmm. And like, I yeah, this song completely makes sense because it's about that it's about that relationship. Um, and it's really it's, it's that's it's, real, it's really heavy in that in that message, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think? Do you, do you like the, the last song? Yeah, yeah, it's good. I would like. I, I know it's it, not your song. It, your song no, is yeah. It's but. a it's a it's it, it's a deeper cut that I don't really explore a, a whole.
whole lot. Yep. My Jontes is pretty mainstream. Um, oh, yeah. There are a couple of couple of deeper cut ones. You look at like someone say my life tonight. I think it's probably my my, my deepest cut of like of, of Elton a lot of a, a lot of Elton's hits are hits for a reason. Like just because they played like I we give you crap for for liking Piano Man, but it's still a good song. Yeah. It's still yeah. Uh, we're just joking with that. But with Elton, it's just like you got. I I just I'm I'm a deep digger. That's what I do. And I just feel like that song is just the last song just feels like it's it's the only thing that would ever eclipse your song as the greatest Elton John. That and uh don't let the sun go down on me. Yeah. And yeah. and of course don't let the, the sun so- go down on me. The solo ver- the solo version or the duet with George Michael. Both are phenomenal. I can't really like I love the duet with, with George. George is phenomenal, yeah. but also the, the the single version on Caribou is still Great, along yeah. with bit, bitches. Bad that, that there's a there's a lot of good Elton songs. We could be here forever discussing Elton. Yeah. John, in its entirety. Yeah. All <laughs> right. Uh, let's move on to question number eight. Uh, what is your favorite song to perform? And I know you had trouble answering this one, just because you're like you're in a, like you're in a band. Like you you sort of you have the Billy Joel Meat Love Meat Love Meat Love cover band. I can only yeah. imagine that this was essentially like trying to pick a favorite child. It's picking a child, and actually we're extending the band to incorporate Elton songs. <laughs> We're no longer the River of Paradise. We're going to be called the Wonderland Express. Uh, we've seen the lights go out on Broadway, which is basically our show that's going to tour uh, New York to help every theater affected by the COVID virus, and all our, our proceeds will go to that. We'll get into that uh, when 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 we hit, I get actual dates when the, the, the damn city opens up. Yeah, but. Uh, the the problem with a show like that is that you're given all these hits, right? You're given you're given all these hits from Meatloaf, Billy Joel, and Elton John. You have to consolidate it into like a 20 song, 90 minute show. And the first thing that you do, and the first thing that you think to yourself, I know this is getting into set list talk, but the first thing you got to think about is not what's a hit. It's what song flows into each other and what song you enjoy performing. Not uh, we, uh, Crocodile Rock would be a crowd pleaser, but is that a fun song to perform? Not too much. So you just got to look at what, what 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 songs work, what songs you need to do. You obviously have to do Paradise, Your Song, Piano Man. But after that core, like, five or six songs you can play around with anything else because people will forgive that uh, the people understand it's a 90 minute show you can't fit bad out of hell in there every show so uh, but i will go and i would will pick and we will we will test what works honestly my favorite songs to perform and it's even changed from the ones i gave you kind of a no man's land is fun we used to open with that all the time and i gave because it gives you that kind of momentum because no man's land is a great opener to uh, bring the momentum in Paradise by the Dashboard Light is objectively fun because A, you get the audience participation because people love the song. People will sing the song. Uh, you get the, the the chemistry with my duet partner, which for right now it's uh, Sam Sclafani. She's phenomenal. Uh, if you've seen the videos of the Schmodown concert, she's she's great. Um, took the words right out of my mouth. People sing. Uh, we do a medley of Took the Words and Say Goodbye to Hollywood, actually, okay. because the, yeah, cause they're both um, the similar Phil Spector kind of beat. Uh, but I would say... It's either it has to be out of the frying pan and into the fire because we actually we didn't we, we didn't um, perform that yet, but we rehearsed it and we did a medley of out of the frying pan and into the fire and to we didn't start the fire. So you go oh, fire, fire, and you get that that portion. It's fun to perform. It's going to be interesting to see how that translates to the audience because we didn't start the fire is notorious for being a very, very difficult song to do live because if you mess up one word, the whole thing, the whole shabam goes down. So you have to be, you have to color coordinate that. But frying pan is probably my favorite, but um, paradise is, is, is fun too. Yeah, and we do a, and we do a medley at the end of uh, Johnny Be Good and Blue Suede Shoes, which is fun. So nice, that's cool. Yeah, when you talk about set lists, the thing that instantly came back to me was like whenever like the the seldom shows that I do, I used, I used to do a lot, but not anymore. Yeah. Um, but I used I always open with the Boxer by Simon by Simon and Garfunkel, and cool. for me, that's just like a song in terms of like getting my head getting my head into like the actual set, and it's like. Once that once that song song is done, it's like all right. Now I'm in. Now I'm into the show. I sort of know how, how to rock things. And you mentioned about like how songs flow and progress. One yes. of my fa- one of my favorite moments ever playing uh, was 
it was at uh, it was at a friend's uh, like thir- it was thirtieth or fortieth wedding anniversary, uh-huh. and and we and there have been a few of us sitting around playing playing songs, and uh, a bunch of them went up went up to grab beer. So I went, I went to play went to play for a while, and I literally I think I went like seven or eight seven or eight songs just back to back because like I would mm-hmm. be in the middle of playing one, and it's like all right, well this song makes sense. So I went from like Brown Eyed Girl from Van Morrison into I'm a Believer by the Monkees, and then I did like an East Coast one like hey good looking by joel by joel plaskett and it's kind of going and going yeah. and going and it's just like i can it's like it's it's, it's the so, momentum it's so fun to, to keep to keep a crowd going because if you can get if you can get somebody to be like all right after the song we're gonna we're gonna go we're gonna go like go go for a smoke or grab a drink or something and then like and then it's then it's like you hear the song and it's like well fuck we have to say now because they're playing the song and it's like like the yeah, that's like you mentioned. It's momentum. Yep. The more you can get it, get it going. It's just, it's so fun. It's that feeling because every time we do, it, we uh, how we end our shows is we do Paradise by the Dashboard Light, we do Piano Man, and then when yeah. everybody and then when everybody's all like hyped up from Piano Man, you don't do a Meatloaf, Billy Joel, or Ellen John song. You go right into a Chuck Berry classic, Johnny Be Good, and you just jam it out until everybody's yeah. got burnt. It's 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 all about them. It's it's even easier actually with because do you, are you solo when you do when you perform? Uh, I would say probably fifty percent of the time. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, um, when you're solo, you can like even it's even fun with the Celtics. You could change the set list right off the top of the show like that. You could be like, okay, we're getting the momentum. Let's do this song instead. When you're yeah. a fuller band, it's really difficult to do that, and I would love to do that if I could. Yeah, um, one of my favorite things when you mentioned about like how the how this how the show ends, it reminds me of a concert that I was at. I think it was at a bar. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just some like some three piece acoustic band was playing, and it was I think it was a vocalist. It was a vocalist. Um, then it was also a rhythm guitarist, and then there was a lead guitarist, and there was a drummer. And mm-hmm. what would happen is they always ended. They ended with uh, Mary Jane's Last Dance, and it would get get to that end, ending solo, and they would just riff for ten minutes while the while the while the vocalist started tearing down. And, oh, that's and, great. and it would just it would be it would just be them too, and then they sort of look at each other like, "All right, now it's over. Now it's t- now it's time to wrap up." Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's move on to question number nine. Uh, what is your favorite instrument? Well, I don't really play instruments. I'll be completely. I don't play instruments. I I direct it. I can music direct. I can uh, t- I I sing, uh, but I think it's not too surprising. My favorite instrument of all time is the piano. Yeah. Piano is what drives 98% of the music I love, be it Jim Steinman, Billy Joel, or Ellen John. Because let's be clear, Jim Steinman is the man behind most of Meatloaf's songs. Um, Meatloaf is phenomenal as a front man, but he's nowhere. He's not. He, he's sadly not where he is today without Jimmy. And I feel like all those piano-driven stuff, a uh, piano, un- unlike a guitar, unlike uh, a saxophone, unlike drums, like they 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 add to the ambiance. But a piano is really just the heart and soul of a song whenever you get a demo if you're uh, um in in studio if you're if you send it's always a piano demo if you can play the chords on a piano you're fine piano books a piano is the single most important instrument of a of of of, of a song even if it's just a guitar even if it's just a song that's based on even if it's a metal song you still need to play those chords on piano to get all the things right because it's the skeleton yeah um yeah, go for uh, it, go piano. For piano was one of the first instruments I ever learned to play. Uh, from grade, I did, did lessons from grade three to grade six, and mm-hmm. I always talk. Anybody like when anybody asks me what instruments you play, I always say if you're gonna learn, if you're gonna learn something, I think mm-hmm. piano is the fir- is one of the first ones you should do. Because what I got yeah. out of piano is I got a, I got this really good background of like music theory, and what the great thing about piano is is that much much different than guitar because guitar you were only like you're only. Um, you're only as flexible with sort of the tunings that that, that you work with. There's usually yeah. like five or five or six keys that you can really sort of fiddle around with. But with piano, it's really just an open blank slate, and as it's it's really how much work you want to want to put into it, and just learn and just learning theory and how you can sort of transform everything, and you can and you can make things sound so full, full and open. And that's what I love mm-hmm. with piano because you look at like. Like, like sort of again going back to guitar there are a lot of songs that have just just guitar but they're often missing something and that's where you add in the bass and the drums and then mm-hmm. piano is literally the one like the song that you can sort of do this like you can Piano's, use this full and, the skeleton 
Yeah, absolutely. You can do this. You can do this full body, full bodied song. Like you get to like your Meatloaf, your Billy Joel's, and your Elton songs. But then you get to something like Sarah McLaughlin or like uh, Katie T- or Adele. Katie, um, Adele. Um, Adele is what the prime f- example. Frigus her name. Um, JD. Uh, yeah, JD Lang. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a just it's how it's essentially how intimate a piano can, can, can be used. And you look at Intimacy, like jazz. That's, that's yeah, amazing. and then like and then jazz. I'm like jazz. It's, it's just so. Jazz one, of my, beast. Yeah. one of my one of my favorite things ever in the summer, especially because um, there's a there's a board there's like a there's like a boardwalk essentially or whatever, and uh-huh. then there's a there, there's an open there's a stage um, where they have where they have live bands playing every night, and uh-huh. it's like every it's every day from like five to seven or like five to six they have a jazz band playing, and no and no set list is is, is, is the same, and no solo is the same is, is the same. It's like it's a, a little about jazz, a little piano too. It's like all right, you get a solo you get a solo for for this long, cool. You're gonna stop sax, you're gonna get a solo for a while. And it's and it's where it's really where you, where you, get, where you get to flex, and I th- and I think piano is one of the coolest for yeah. that aspect. Um, yeah, that 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 would probably actually like you. What I enjoyed to perform, the band would enjoy because uh, I don't sing it or perform it because I let uh, my vocalist Don do it. But there's a Billy Joel song called Zanzibar, yes, which does exactly that same thing, and the band just riffs on that, just riffs on it. It's like an eight minute, it, it's a six minute and a half, eight minute jam session go for it it's my break and and it's jazz is beautiful because you don't really have a it's really you can end it whenever you can extend it wherever it's very flexible the chord progression is simple enough to where that the the band can just go in and out and do what they want to do and it's just the magic of jazz and with jazz there's not really many radio hits so you could you could do what uh, to the generic audience member just jazz music but to you it's a jazz song it's a jazz standard that you can do in the riff, on the whim you're not segmented to any situation yeah all right let's move on to question number 10 uh what artist is your guilty pleasure what did i say i said you said oh, trace uh, atkins. i said trace atkins yes uh i i i said it a little bit at the top is that i love country music um montgomery gentry is phenomenal uh, but Trace is is great. Yeah, you got songs like Swing. You got songs like Um, You're Gonna Miss This. Uh, uh my favorite song, which is um, what's it called? Uh, uh Southern Hallelujah. Uh, that then people probably never heard that one. But then there's also uh, Dangerous Man. Uh, Trace is 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 essentially like a country rocker that kind of mixes country and classic rock really well with a very rich, deep bass of voice. Yeah, um, I think one of I think one of the things that country does really well it's very it's very like re- relatable and very yeah. very user, user friendly and I find country music country music fans attach attach more to like to to like that genre in particular mm-hmm. and are really like country fans are country fans they don't really yeah. dive dive in too too far out out, out, out of the woods. Yeah, um, but, Garth Brooks sorry, is yeah. A, yeah, sorry about that. Garth Brooks is essentially the same as Trace Atkins, who is essentially the same as Montgomery Gentry, who yeah. It's just that, like their styles. I mean, and and Toby yeah. Keith, all of those guys. Like Toby Keith is phenomenal too. It's just also what gra- I gravitate towards. Country is that again. These are story songs about characters living in the countryside. Uh, say what you will that it's about a truck and a guy loving his truck. That's still a story that's being told, and I still dig it. I think what separates Trace from the rest of them, because like I was the same thing. Yeah. Like my, my mom's a massive Garth Brooks fan. Um, I got to see Brad Paisley live, and Brad and Brad is phenomenal. And like mm-hmm. late, like late, like Lady Lady Antebellum and like Keith Urban was one of another big influence growing up. Mm-hmm. But I think what separates Trace from the rest of them is that he's the most gen, he's the most genuine. And I think it's honestly it's that vocal range that really that really yes. sort of has it because he he's not like super he's not like super flashy because there's something about like like. Don't get me wrong. Garth Brooks is one of the greatest country country artists ever, but I feel like his stage presence is almost like a character within itself. But he, but he like does with, the thing on the, the the and he just walks around. Absolutely. I yeah. Uh, and traces traces just like I'm gonna like I'm gonna tell you tell you stories like from 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 oh, the yeah. heart, and it's just it's so pure and it's and it's really what I miss about country. Yeah, and he gives context to the song because live when you get that context to the song, it makes the song better. Um. It's it's either the story the song either tells you the story back to back to back to back or you you tell the story and then the song and I think Trace does that really well live especially his Christmas albums, uh he, I uh, it's his he has some of the best Christmas covers out there too. Yeah, 
All right, uh, let's move on to question number 11. Uh, what is your, yeah, who is your most overrated artist? Okay, I also said this, uh, I hinted at it. Um, when I was younger, I would listen to Bruce Springsteen. Uh, but that was because my parents loved Bruce Springsteen. I, uh, growing older, I realized that Bruce Springsteen and his songs, I do not gravitate towards in the slightest. It's his, it's his voice. It's the way that the songs are composed. I get that Tenth Avenue uh, freeze out is a jam. I get it, <laughs> but God, I, I just feel like some of those songs just go on forever. I don't really have any attachment to them. Like I, I, people say, I should because Bruce is similar to Jim Starman and Meatloaf, and I'm like, I could see the Thunder Road thing. Like you can sing Thunder Road over "Took the Woods Right Out of My Mouth" kind of easily, and I can see the whole kind of like a cup like "Born to Run" is also "Took the Woods Right Out of My Mouth," yeah. but. I just feel like a lot of that is just I don't need the I I don't need the it just because it sounds similar doesn't mean I'm gonna like it and I just feel I feel like you might be on the same wavelength. I don't I really completely get, agree. I don't really I tried to explain why I don't like Bruce Springsteen, but it's just that his his it's his I do like Wrecking Ball that 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 album is great, but that's just one segmented album. I'm talking about Bruce as a whole and all of his songs and all of that like. Nothing gravitates towards me. Born to One's okay, but yeah. Um, yeah, I think I've, I've said it before in the show, and what really annoys me with Bruce Springsteen is that, well, like, I think for me personally, Born to Run and Thunder Road sound the, exa sound, sound the exact same. It's just sort of like a, this sort of back, this back, back to back issue of like, I can, I can play both that I don't really, I don't really know. Um, he does have a couple of good songs. I'm on Fire is probably my favorite. Probably I my like favorite Wrecking Ball. Not, not the, not the Miley Cyrus song, but the song Wrecking Ball is good. Um, but I broke it down. I broke it one day, broke it down one day in a debate. Um, where you look at his, what, like probably his biggest song, Born in the USA. You look at the you look at you, you look at the verse you look at the verses of those songs and it's some of the best lyrically written verses in terms of like storytelling and when you really just sort of pay attention to them you you mm -hmm. get the aspect of what he's trying to tell you but then you have one of the most repetitive and boring courses and the arrangement of that song is just all right cool it plods it plods boom do, boom do, boom do, do the same. Yeah. in the USA and like. Come on, you do some more with it. Yes, Tenth Avenue Freeze Out is a jam live. I see. I, I've seen concerts where he does four-hour shows and he plays to the audience. He does requests. He's a phenomenal. I'm not going to take that away from him. He's a phenomenal live performer. His songs, though, just do not grab me in the slightest. Getting back, getting back to the to the Christmas album stuff. I would actually say Santa Claus is coming to town. His cover of that is one of his is one of his better ones because that's one yeah. where he really gets to have fun. And he just uh, on top of that, when I say he's a better performer, I'm not saying singer. He is horrible, <laughs> but but that's just my opinion. But at least he 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 has the the gravitas to make those things work live. It's just like you were saying, Born to Run. I also kind of think that um, Dancing in the Street is also kind of just. Dancing, uh, dancing in the dark, isn't it? Dancing in the dark. Did I yeah. say dancing in the street? That's that's, right. that's 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 uh, Mick Jagger and David Bowie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but dancing in the dark. Yeah, like those are his two biggest albums. And I'm just like, nothing there gravitates for. Uh, it's just me though, and I'm yeah. probably in a. We are both are probably in a minority. So. Probably. All who, right, wait, wait, before we move on, who who did who was the debate against with Bruce Springsteen that you were talking about? Uh, it was about? Uh, Matt Rosa. Uh, I mean, who was the other artist you were debating against? Who was the other? Who was the other artist? It was. It was the question was the uh, the worst Bruce Springsteen. No, the best Bruce. The the best Bruce Bruce, Bruce Springsteen song. And um, I picked. I picked. I'm on fire. And Matt Rosa took. Um, took born in the USA. Oh, I hope you won that. I did win. I did win okay, that one. Perfect. Um, all right. Let's move on to question number twelve. Uh, what's your favorite concert you've been to? Okay, this is no contest. Uh, as much as I love Meatloaf, he's not as good live nowadays. When I was when I was alive, uh, I wasn't alive in the late '80s when he was in his prime. Meat, Meat sadly has the Bruce Springsteen kind of thing where he doesn't sound that great live. But uh, it is what it is. But two guys who do sound great live and continue to sound great live are Billy Joel and Elton John. I went to in Philadelphia back when it was called the First Union Center. Um, what was it called? Yeah, it was the first union. It's changed so many. Wachovia, it's been called a bunch of stuff. But 
Uh, it was a four or three hour show, and and Billy and when when you go to and I've been to a couple of these face to face concerts. When you go to a face to face concert, it starts with Billy Joel and Alan John doing three songs: your song, just the way you are, and don't let the sun go down on me. After that, they split off, and it's a randomized thing. So you either get Elton first, or you get Billy first, and they do a forty five minute set, and then Elton does a forty five minute set. And then they come back together with, uh, you may be right, Bitch is Back, Benny and the Jets, Candle in the Wind, Your song, uh, Piano Man. And then they, like, they end it with, I think, Uptown Girl or something. I, 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 I don't forget. I forget off the top of my head. But um, they, it's basically uh, back and forth, and it's phenomenal. And, and they even each come on stage during each of each respective set to do a song. So, uh, and I think their sets always interchange be, between shows or whatever to make things fresh. But yeah, uh, it's it was always just phenomenal and mind blowing that they could get two big acts like that together for like a tour that would sell out instantly. To birds, it's 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 essentially like a a, a super show. Yeah, um, it's like it's like this this. That's it, it, like the, the the sum of its, um, what's the saying? The sum of its parts are, are yeah, the sum of its parts are, are greater than the I don't know. Oh yeah, they're the, I'm not sure what it is, but anyways, Billy Joel and Elton John together, like yeah. in a concert. You like you guess it's like it's like you have you have these Billy Joel songs and then you have Elton come in. It's like well well you know like let me like let let me try and add well, not add this thing, but like you know, it's 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 my it's mind boggling considering yeah. like. Because knowing how much of a diva Elton, Elton, kind, Elton kind of is, because I imagine that he'd sort of want to be like the 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 the, 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 for, the forefront of, of of it all. Um, and then, but yeah, he is like, they, no. they they juggle it. They juggle it really well. Yeah, it's 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 unfortunate that I will, won't be able to ever see Elton John, uh, just because well he he stopped touring. I think it was last, yeah last year. Uh, no, he's actually he, well. He's on hiatus right now. He's probably yeah. going to go back to touring after this whole COVID stuff is done. Uh, the thing is, like him and Billy went through a falling out, which I don't think uh, we'll we'll see. I hope that after all of this, we get like a one-off face-to-face, like kind of mini kind of tour. That would yeah. be fun. Just to, just to to send him off. Yeah. My friend, my uh, my my friend who lives in the UK had was looking at looking at tickets uh, to go to Elton John's last show. Like this is it's this like five hundred bucks. Uh no, more than that. Uh, nosebleeds are like, are like yeah, some like some of the worst seats are two grand. Okay, um, it's, it's say, like O2 or Wembley Stadium or something. I, or? I will say this: when you go to see an Elton John concert on a tour, you've seen the Elton John concert on a tour. As much as I love Elton and how he performs, his set list stays the same. So you 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 go in to see Elton John multiple times on the same tour, you're just seeing the same show over and over again. That's the that's the unfortunate. With Billy, he changes his set all the time, and I think that was actually he said um, that that was one of the problems he had with Elton is that he wouldn't let Billy change his set list as much as he wanted. So oh shit! All yeah. right, let's move on then to uh... set list is the whole point of a show. It's the skeleton. Yeah. All right. Move on to question number thirteen. Uh, what is your favorite soundtrack? This is uh, given. Uh, this is uh, if you guys uh, ever listen to suddenly soundtracks. Let me talk about musicals. Nineteen eighty-six. Uh, one of the greatest um, remakes ever made. Uh, Little Shop of Horrors, uh, starring Rick Moranis, Vincent Gardenia, Ellen Green, and uh, uh, what's his name? Who plays the dentist? Um, Steve Martin. Uh, Steve Martin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they are. They are all phenomenal. And the the soundtrack for this is is basically like we were talking about longest time. And how it was very, very 1950s kind of doo-wop. This entire soundtrack is basically all of that album, Innocent Man, but in a different form in a movie about man-eating plant. And then, and the whole the whole soundtrack is 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 great from the start, which is the Little Shop of Horrors, the opener, to the ending song, which was written originally for the 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 movie itself, uh, Me Green Mother from Outer Space. It's not in the stage musical, and it's based on a stage musical too. On top of that, but every single song, every single character you're attached to, and it's catchy, and it goes by at a brisk pace. Yeah. You, uh, oh, sorry. You're saying? Uh, I was just saying what, what you thought of it. Um, so I've never watched the movie, but I did listen. I did listen to the soundtrack, and again, similar to uh, to 
oh my god, uh, the hey, 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 can't talk, hey, Ahab, uh, without mm-hmm. John. This is very like again a very Chris Clark esque sound soundtrack. <laughs> it's that it's that meatloaf Billy Joel power rock power rock esque thing. What I loved about it is Levi is Levi Stubbs. Um, as uh, as yeah, Aubrey, yeah, yeah, Aubrey, 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 Aubrey too, Audrey too. Uh, Brooklyn, when we do the watch along of Little Shop of Horrors, be on it so you can experience that firsthand. But yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think. Uh, it, w- it was good to explore some songs because I had first heard somewhere that screen as like the weird Family Guy parody where yeah. it's Chris, where it's Chris and uh, <laughs> what a uh, way Chris to be and, introduced Chris to and Herbers. Yeah, but then to go, but then to go back to it and hear the actual version, and, like that one, and like suddenly Seymour's a really good one. Mean Green from Mean Green Mother from Outer Space again. It's Oscar nominated. It, yeah, and again, it's just it's. I think. I, like like Rick Moranis is really good. I think I mm-hmm. I was surprised at how well he works in mus- in musicals. But then mm-hmm. I and then as we were going on, as it came, came to this answer, I was like, oh shit! I forgot Levi Stubbs is the Oogie Boogie mm-hmm. Man uh, from Nightmare Nightmare Before. He isn't the he isn't the Oogie Boogie Man. Oh He's, sorry, uh, that's Ken Page. But Ken Page took a lot of inspiration from the from, Levi's yeah. performance. You can tell um, because it sounds. I made that mistake too. Um, uh, he he steals the show and then there's a song i think my favorite song off the record is um supper time now you you off the record this is the problem with the soundtrack we're getting this suddenly soundtracks territory here but on the record it's it, it, supper time really doesn't have much of an impact but when you watch the movie when you do watch the movie and you see the um we're going to get back to this but when you do see at some point in the future but when you do watch the context of supper time let me know if that changes your output on that song i will but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it's it's one of, it's the darkest moment in the movie. But yeah, um, the soundtrack is phenomenal. Mm, absolutely, I would definitely recommend uh, go to go check it out. I'm surprised you haven't seen it. Wow. I'm, I'm surprised as well. And considering like it's one of the biggest musicals I, ever. Again, I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm again I'm surprised that I haven't brought her up sooner. Every show I bring I bring up my wife in some in some way because because she really she really showed me like a different side of music. And one of her favorite movies ever is the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And I somehow still haven't seen, still haven't seen that one. So I think whenever we There's do a lot Little of Shop, Shop of Horrors, yeah, absolutely. There's I want to. I think I'm going to show. I'm going to get her to watch Little Shop of Horrors with me because I think she would really enjoy it, considering how close it is to um, the Rocky Horror Picture Show in terms of just tone and vibe, yeah. um, especially the music. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, let's move into uh, question number 14, second last one. Uh, what is a local act uh, that you think uh, people should listen to more? I was having. I really don't listen to the indie music scene, but there is a local act. That isn't technically local to me, but local in LA, who opened my show at the um, Schmodown uh, fan event uh, last year. Alex Marzonia with the accent on the N. Yes. Uh, he is a phenomenal artist, a phenomenal musician, and he has phenomenal voice talent and producing talent. Um, I his his he doesn't have a huge back catalog, but Alex is an amazing performer. Yeah. Um. What I liked about Alex's music is that. Um, it's very easy to tell that he's like in our age range of like like late like mm-hmm. mid to late mid to late twenties early thirties and really the music that we grew like that we grew up with especially like you get into like like junior high high school which would have been like mid to late two thousands and you yeah. t- think about like where rock was going and rock was sort of going a little more a little more alt and like pop punk was a ma- was a massive genre again this is where i would insert insert my wife into the, into the conversation uh-huh. because she got me into in, into pop punk and i think it's him trying to really um really tr- trying to combine those things that we sort of grew up and love grew up and love and really make make them make them his own um and i, th- I think it's good that he's that he's sticking to that given again where you look at where music where music is now in terms of top forty wise, where it's just it's it's too techno, and yeah. it's it's too much it's too much is like club dubstep, um, where it's like you can apply the beat, add a add a vocalist, but you can't differentiate the vocalists unless you're getting into like Adele or like El Goulding. Yeah, and I will say that his his style of music is kind of very similar to Lin Manuel Miranda. Um, a lot of a lot of like. His the quality of some of his songs kind of sounds similar to like something you'd find on Hamilton, which is a very very good compliment. Or in the Heights, he is a very 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 talented talented singer, and Alex is a great performer too. And it's always a joy to have him. Uh, he should he, he's probably going to open for our next fan concert too. So he's phenomenal. That's good. All right, 
Final question of the day. Uh, sometimes this is my favorite question. Uh, I'm really interesting because this is this is sort of like a U-turn uh, into where the list has sort of been going. Uh, what is your favorite one-hit wonder? Well, this is completely different from anything. I don't know if you've gotten this song yet. Uh, it's the Christmas classic Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer by Elmo and Patsy. I have a lot of uh, childhood memories of listening to the tape of Elmo and Patsy. The, the whole album Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer is a guilty pleasure because there's some really, really interesting uh, eclectic uh, Christmas songs on the, off the record, like Percy the Puny Point Center. Uh, but uh, it's it's it, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer is is Elmo and Patsy's biggest hit and only hit. Yeah. <laughs> and it's 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 on the radio all the time. It's caused a lot of controversy about whether or not it's a appropriate song for the season because it basically talks about the death of a grandma. But it's hilarious. It's fun. Uh, I love. I just I I just think it brings the season in and it it, it it's good humor. Yeah, I think I think the I think the arrangement and of how they do how they have this sort of like it's like rockabilly, but then you get into like mm -hmm. where they have those sort of piano riffs in, in, in between. It sort of gives it that that, that homey that homey vibe, um, and and it's and it's good. It's good, lighthearted fun. It's like sort to sort of uh, sort of uh, make this full circle. It's again, it's that it's that escapist aspect. And you look at the holidays yeah. in, in particular, and music is such a great is such a great way to. To, to escape and really get into that sort of hol holiday mood and grandma got run over by a reindeer is one of the is one of the better ones of just like it's like a better version of jingle bells it's a phenomenal version of jingle bells it's a more creative version of jingle bells out of curiosity brooklyn now what are the other one hit wonders that you've gotten on this show so far uh i have gotten uh wonderwall by oasis uh i got last week i had stacy's mom uh by fountain uh, by Fountains of Wayne, and then we also had uh, Closing Time by Semi Sonic, and what else did we have? Oh, oh my God, what one? What did we have for Doug's for Doug's list? Um, uh, it's 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 I'm oh, I'm, dry, I'm drawing a blank, but it's a lot of it's a lot of like late nineties, yeah. early two thousands, like just stuff that we and I can I give you something from nineteen seventy one. Yeah, but that's but that's but that's good though. Um, I liked I liked how essentially older older your list was and I, and that's what i love about this yeah. about the show is that i get to explore so many so many different yeah. aspects and it was good to really take a dive into like the really like the like the late 70s early 80s classic classic this, rock this is, a lot of this is piano based so everything Absolutely. actually we discussed was even grandma got run over by a reindeer i just realized now is a piano based song yeah I, th <laughs> I think the uh i think the kids these days would call this like mom and dad rock but it's like uh, yeah. that's sort that's it's sort of a slap in the face because this is the good shit this, this is the, the good stuff shit. that this is stuff that should be on the should be on the air but uh that's gonna wrap up uh another episode of jukebox jam session uh chris this is a super fun time um great. where can the good people of the world find you Keep rocking, Brooklyn. Now you can. Uh, well, we're gonna do this then. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Chris Cluck eight seven eight eight. Those numbers mean nothing. And this Wednesday, I believe it will be Wednesday that we will be going through Bad at a Hell uh, off the record. The new subs. The new sub. The, oh, there, there goes my my phone right there. Uh, it's a new sub sublet of uh, uh, suddenly soundtrack. So be sure to check that out on Wednesday. Um, so yeah. Um, Bad at hell off the record. It's going to be a fun time. Uh, and Brooklyn's going to be on with us. So. Yeah, I'm super excited to do bad to do bad at bad out of hell. There's so much to, to talk about there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, be sure to check out the plethora of content that is on the Multiplex Entertainment Podcast Network. Uh, the Beanbag Boys, uh, the Multiplex of Loves Movies Watchalongs, uh, episodes of Your List Sucks, Nerdgasm, and then be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel where we have Movie Warzone, Fandom Fights, uh, video versions of Your List Sucks, and the Multiplex Loves Movies Watchalongs, as well as uh, Multiplex Miscellaneous uh, on, sun on Sunday nights. Uh, which is a pop culture trivia quiz show, and then uh, and as well, and TV Throwdown as well. I'm sure I'm missing one one, but then uh, be sure to come right back here uh, two weeks from now. Uh, I'm not sure who the next guest is going to be as of recording, but for Chris and myself, cheers, guys, and as always, drive.